Time for the FIBA and news update episode of the week. Tyrese Halliburton, Daniel Teich threw it around two of the World Cup. Plus, got to talk with Jordan Wara this week. Clay Thompson talked about the Pacers. The Kings GM talked about the Chris Duarte trade. There's so much to get to, and we'll talk about all of it today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, it's our weekly news roundup plus FIBA updates show, diving into everything going on in the world of the Pacers for their national teams. Tyrese Halbert and Daniel Tice still going, but he's done. Nothing to talk about with him. But still plenty to go with Halberton and Tice. And then catching up on the Pacers news of the week slash last 10 days slash since the last news update. Quite a few here. I caught up with Jordan Wara last week. Clay Thompson talked about the Pacers. The Kings GM talked about the Pacers. There's plenty that's going on. There's plenty that will come. So these episodes will continue to roll through. If you're interested in hearing about some fun Pacers lineups that we could see next season, yesterday's show is for you. And if you're interested in player interviews, finally, got another one done coming for you tomorrow with former Pacers guard Kiefer Sykes. So that will be tomorrow's show. Looking forward to getting that one out for you guys. But today, we dive into the wonderful world of international basketball, starting with Team USA, who, as of about 24 hours ago, my gosh, it's crazy. These these games are in a different time zone. So I have to get up so early to watch Tyson and Halliburton. Uh, play at 4 or 8 in the morning or whatever. But USA this morning very early uh, took down Greece, the hardest opponent in their group, Group C, to go to 2-0 and in their group play. Halliburton has been playing very well. We'll dive into the specifics of his play in just a second. But that win by Team USA over Greece, combined with their win over New Zealand, puts them 2-0 and in their group. And both Greece and New Zealand beat Jordan, and they next play each other, which means there cannot be three 2-1 teams in the group, which means Team, two, team USA is moving on to the second round of the tournament. Even if they lose to Jordan, which would be like the biggest upset of the tournament so far, they will still move on to the second round of the tournament. They're through, so their third game against Jordan is a formality. They've looked great. They they didn't look awesome in the first half, I guess, against New Zealand, but have smashed their opponents in the three halves since and are looking like the tournament favorites, which is exactly what they should be. And a big part of this is Tyrese Halburn and the second unit. That group has just pummeled teams, right? A lot of these teams in the tournament and in this whole World Cup, including Germany, who we'll get to with Tice, have NBA talent. The Pacers just played against a Greek team that has Thanasis Antetokounmpo, who's on the Bucks, that has Papianis, who was a former lottery pick for the Kings. And yeah, he's super much not that anymore. <laughs> but he's, his FIBA style is perfect, right? He's bruising. He's got this little hook shot that was super threatening for the Americans in this game, right? There are other talented players in this tournament. Jordan has Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Um, so there's a lot of them. Uh, it's not the easiest thing all the time, but they have like one or two of them. Team USA has 12 of them. So the bench minutes are where Team USA just completely kicks butt. And that is where Halliburton has been playing all of his minutes and they've been dominating them. Him and Austin Reeves have been a super dynamic duo from an energy perspective, from a play perspective, from a talent perspective, from a fit perspective. And Cam Johnson's great with them just as a floor spacer and whoever's in its center with that group. Sometimes it's Ben Carroll. Sometimes it's Bobby Portis. It's just a perfect fit. Like everything is really clicking for those lineups. And Halliburton's a big part of why, right? Steve Kerr said after the New Zealand game when talking about the Halliburton Reefs connection, he said, quote, 
They move the ball so well. They're both such good passers and playmakers. They understand when to put it on the floor and attack, but they both have the ability to find cutters, right? That has what's made that group so special is it's just they have this huge talent gap and they're playing all over the place and Halberton's up-tempo, hit ahead, find the open man style, and Reeves' up-tempo play has just run right past teams. It's been really jarring to watch. In their first game against New Zealand, they were up nine at halftime. Halliburton was plus 13, right? They actually lost the minutes he wasn't out there in the first half against New Zealand, who they're much better than. And they smoked that team. They won that game by 27 in the end. But like he was critical in that first half because of that exact thing. Sometimes when the starters aren't going or they're not gelling right away or the opponent's game plan is pretty good, they can overcome that because this bench unit with Halburn in it is so good. Kaylin Cooper, whose shirt I'm wearing, funnily enough, for her site basketball she wrote, check it out on Patreon, um, clipped a perfect thing. New Zealand, in their game, they the, the FIBA is awesome for these on the broadcasts. They cut to the, the huddles during timeouts, and you can hear what the coach is yelling at his players. Sometimes it's a lot of cursing, <laughs> which is very funny. But the New Zealand coach was yelling at his team, Hal Burton's in. you got to be paying more attention, right? Hal Burton's in. They were letting them know to be prepared for those sorts of things because that's what Hal Burton does both for the Pacers and for Team USA. So that, of course, has been the key takeaways for him even since the exhibitions. That's still the case. In that New Zealand win, 10 points, 4 rebounds, and 3 assists. He just has some ridiculous sequences of highlight play, highlight pass, highlight play, and the team goes, oh, yeah, we got to pay attention to him. And then someone else all of a sudden starts to go crazy against Greece. Uh, this is something really interesting, too, that a lot of people have been pointing out, right? His defense has been really good with the, this American squad so far, right? I got three tweets about it, at least, uh, during the first half of the Greece game. He had two blocks in, like, th- three minutes. And I saw a whole Reddit thread about it on the Pacers subreddit about his defense for Team USA. It's been, it's been really good, especially on the ball. It's like a physical style, but he's slotted right in. He had three blocks against Greece. I forget how many steals he had against New Zealand. I want to say it was also three. Yes, it was three, right? So he's been all over the place on defense, and he's been holding up on that end in a way that I've never seen from him, even in the NBA. I think that's been the thing that has been the most different, right? He's obviously playing less and playing with bench units than he does in the NBA, but the way he's played is kind of similar, as similar as it can be in a Team USA setting with superstars compared to an NBA setting without all superstars. But, like, playing fast, hit-aheads, random action, making crazy long threes at times. Like, yeah, there's some similarities that you can, you know, it's Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to do what he does. The defensive thing has just been a totally different thing. That's where he's looked the most different to me. And the thing that I think would be, if you're the Pacers, the most encouraging where you go, yeah, if that transfers over to the season, that will be awesome for them. That the blocks were really impressive. He's in the right spot. He jumped at the right time. Even on guys bigger than him, he's held up in those instances. He had the three blocks against the Greeks. Um, they were plus 19 in his minutes, which was a team high. I guess it was tied with Reeves and Cam Johnson, who he's basically tied to with the minutes. I asked Jordan Wara about Halliburton with Team USA. He said, it's been good. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm glad they're doing well. Hopefully they can go out there and win this thing. Of course, Wara wanted to see Nigeria in the World Cup, but they're not there. Um, so that has been the biggest takeaway for me from Halliburton's play is the defense standing out in ways that it has never been in the NBA. If that carries over, that would be awesome for the Pacers, of course, uh, but also the fact that his units just continue to kick butt. Uh, they're going to win if that happens. Against the Greeks, he had nine points, two rebounds, three assists in the win. Uh, they played Jordan on uh, Wednesday, so the day after this episode comes out, if you're listening to it the day it comes out. And then they're guaranteed to move on to the second group stage, where they'll be in Group J with 
the winner of their group and second place in their group, as well as the winner and second place in Group D. Uh, TBD on who those teams will be. They'll either play Thursday, uh, they'll probably play Friday, Sunday uh, of that second round before moving on to, if they make it, the knockout round. If they keep playing how they have, I have a hard time believing they wouldn't make the knockout round. Um, you never know. France is already out of this tournament, which is crazy. Crazy. That's one of the biggest upsets. They're already qualified for the Olympics just because it's in Paris and they're there. But, I mean, they are one of the more talented teams in terms of NBA talent, and they're out. They lost to Latvia without Porzingis. Uh, that's not Pacers-related. I shouldn't go too tangential here. But on Halliburton, Team USA specifically, they look good. He's thriving in his role next to those guys that I mentioned earlier. The defense has been the biggest takeaway separate from what he does with the Pacers, and he'll continue to play and get that praise from Steve Kerr. Uh, also, Team USA put out a nice video about interviewing Halliburton about you know what he likes about playing for Team USA, what he thinks about his role, all sorts of stuff. It's only a minute and a half, but they've been doing this series called The 12 with a bunch of players on the team, and they just put out Halliburton's. If you want to see more, check out Team USA's Twitter feed or the USA Basketball website. Tyrese Halliburton, not the only pacer suiting up for international play this week or the only pacer who's already secured a trip to round two. Daniel Tice and the Germans also have done so already. They are also playing well in this tournament so far. What has he done? What have they done? How did they look? Can they actually win this whole thing? They've been playing pretty well so far. Let's talk about that and hop into some Pacers news in segment number two here. Before we get to all that, though, I need to talk to you guys about FanDuel, the NFL season. Right around the corner. Cut day is today. That's how you know it's close. And with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, you can get ready for the NFL season. Right now, new customers can bet $5 on FanDuel. You'll get $200 in bonus bets for doing so. Guaranteed. Whew, that's nice. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get an extra $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. What a steal. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props, all your faves, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thank you for making Lockdown Pacers your first listen today and every single day. Slower news week in the NBA itself. So I guess... Your second listen should be locked on Hornets, who are the biggest news of the NBA. P.J. Washington has finally signed a contract in restricted free agency. He's back with the Hornets. The Locked on Hornets guys will have more on his deal, what it means for Charlotte, their crowded forward rotation, how Washington could look. Three for 48. That's a good deal for the Hornets. I thought P.J. Washington would get more than that. I myself would have paid him a lot more than that. Uh, I'm not a GM for a reason, though, but he's a good player. Good job by the Hornets to get that done. Fully guaranteed no options per Rod Boone of the Charlotte Observer. This is not a Hornets podcast. Check out Lockdown Hornets. Let's continue on the FIBA play, diving in to the other Pacers still involved. That's Daniel Tice because if you want to go back to last week's FIBA episode, Buddy Heald is done. The Bahamas played their Olympic pre-qualifying tournament. They won. That means they're still alive for the Olympics and they'll play next summer, but they're not in the World Cup. They did not make it into the World Cup itself. Nemhard and Matherin not playing for Canada. No other Pacers involved in international action. So it's just Tice and Halberton left. And we'll be doing another FIBA update on them next week because they both have clinched at least the second round of the World Cup. We just did Team USA. But Germany has also done so with a very strong start to the tournament. They actually probably have a more impressive resume than Team USA so far, despite being a worse team. USA literally beat Germany in a friendly uh, like 10 days ago, but Germany's resume so far, they're in Okinawa. I should have said this. Team USA is in the Philippines, in Manila. Uh, 
Germany's in Okinawa. They played Japan in a true road game to open the tournament up there and smoked them, 81-63. Did I just say they beat Germany? They beat Japan, excuse me, in Okinawa. Um, And that might seem like, not like the biggest deal ever, but Japan won their second game, which uh, which is surprising. They're not considered like a they're a good basketball team, but they're not considered like a powerhouse or a team expected to do amazing or anything. But they beat Finland. Larry Markkinen's on Finland. Finland's a decent team. Japan beat them. It was a close game, but they still won. So they're still alive. Uh, Germany crushed them. So that was impressive win by Tyson Company there. Uh, and then they played Australia. Australia, I believe, is the third seed in the entire tournament. I might have that incorrect, but I think I saw that somewhere. They are very talented. They have several NBA players on the team, and they beat Australia. That was a very impressive win, 85-82. That's, that, like Team USA, worked out to clinch them, the group, because Japan beat Finland and Australia beat Finland, which means Finland can only get one win, and Japan still has to play Australia, so one of those teams will end up with one win. Germany already has two, the way the points work out. Germany is through to the second round. They will go to Group K in the second knockout stage with the second place or first place team in their group, as well as somebody from these two teams from the Slovenia, Georgia, Cape Verde, Venezuela group, which could be Goga Batadze's Georgia, who is currently playing pretty well. I should note that the other teams in USA's second group will probably be Greece. It could be New Zealand. And then will be uh, Lithuania and Montenegro. Lithuania does not have DeMontis Sabonis, though, in this tournament. Um, Tice in Germany, though, looking good. They're a really physical team. They have a lot of guys that are just not fun to play against. And Dennis Schroeder is just fantastic as a FIBA player. His speed, his trash talk, the way he plays just suits this style so well. And the fact that this team is what it is, even without Franz Wagner to be winning some games, uh, he's been hurt a little bit. He's day-to-day. I think he'll return in the tournament, but uh, has been. they've just looked really impressive. Uh, Tice... The, some takeaways, including stuff I shared last week. One, he looks athletic. Uh, not athletic like, whoa, this guy's bouncy, but like compared to what he looked like even for the Pacers this past season, he's finishing oops. He looks a little quicker. He's shiftier. Uh, but the other thing is he plays the four and the five for Germany. This, their center is Voitman, uh, who's a beast and a tank. And sometimes Tyson's in his lone center, but sometimes he's the four and he takes some threes or catches in the short roll and makes some decisions and that is where I feel like he's looked the most different from the Pacers. Not that he didn't make decisions with the ball. In fact, when we did his season review with Kalen Cooper, if you'll remember, we talked about that being something he's kind of good at. But just the way he's doing them quickly and the way he's doing stuff on the catch has been really impressive. He's playing very well uh, from an efficiency perspective. Uh, and the win over Japan, for example, 13 points. Six for eight from the field. Also six rebounds and three assists and two steals. And all that was in under 17 minutes. That was in 16 minutes and 16 seconds. Right. So he's very productive. For this group, even though he's like the fourth or fifth best player on the Germany team, uh, he had nine points and four rebounds in the win over Australia, which clinched that they will move on through uh, the tournament. So if you want to catch some of Germany, you got to get up even earlier than you do to watch Team USA. But Tice playing like this is certainly interesting to me. I don't know what this, like, I don't think this will influence the Pacers thinking in any sort of way with their, their center rotation. But, you know, if he's bouncy enough to finish lobs and can make some plays in the pick and roll, I mean, you got to think about what if they should play him. I mean, as the backup five, especially if they're trying to win, he's probably their best option. I know that's been discussed ad nauseum, but every time I watch him, I'm just like, man, he's good. He's a smart basketball player. The bruising style is fascinating to watch, and he might not be on their timeline, and that alone might be enough to say, yeah, I would roll with the young guys. Makes more sense. But he is certainly good, and he's certainly looking good in these games for Germany, who will be moving on to round two 
Uh, for those of you curious or who may have thought this while talking about, I was talking about both of these players, the earliest I believe that the USA and Germany can meet in the tournament would not be till the semifinals just because of the way the bracket itself breaks out. They can't be in the same group for round two. And then their groups K and J are right next to each other. And group J plays group I in the quarterfinals based on the seeding. Uh, so that means that they can't play in the quarterfinals, but they can potentially, depending on how the seedings break out and victories along the way, meet in the semifinals. So but perhaps we'll see those two go against each other again. But both players playing well for their teams and their teams doing well in the tournament and will be playing into this weekend, at least making it to Sunday right before Labor Day. We'll do another catch-up next week before the final week of the tournament. And then, of course talk about what it all means in the end some news items to get to we'll talk about jordan wara a little in the next segment because i got lucky i literally ran into him at the fever game um so i got to catch up with him talk off season and he told me something really interesting he's lost a bunch of weight we'll talk about what that means in the next segment but i want to get to some other news items before we talk about jordan wara one of them being about the pacer stadium this is cool if you live in or around indy uh the bicentennial unity plaza what the heck is that i talked about this a little bit on a recent news episode, it's a plaza right next to, literally attached to Cambridge Fieldhouse, basketball court, a bar, an area to buy snacks, some fun areas to sit. You can play cornhole. There's this huge little sphere thing uh, with giant lights on the inside. Uh, it's sweet. It's really cool. It's a nice public space. Go check it out. It's sweet. It's open now to the public. They had events this past weekend to celebrate their opening. Um, but you can still go, and I've been playing basketball there twice already. Uh, my record currently is 17 free throws in a row. My record of my life is much higher than that. But I'm going to try to beat it because I haven't shot a basketball a ton since I played. So it's been fun to be out there, and it's a really cool place. Go check it out. Um, another shorter news item that I highly recommend, uh, Clay Thompson was on Paul George's podcast. Why is that a Pacers news thing? Neither of those players pay for the Pacers. Good question, person who I just made up in my head, because they talked about two Pacers topics that were interesting. One was Clay's 60-point game against the Pacers where he never dribbled. Uh, it was cool to hear it from his perspective, just be like thinking about how on he was and what that meant and Zaza Pachulia's cheap little steals, but also just talking about Paul, hearing Paul George talk about how that Pacers team was so unequipped to play defense against that Warriors team because Monte could not switch on defense. And it wasn't just Monte. Um, it was more he went into with the team. Um, but it was really fascinating to hear just how they, they kind of talked about how impossible the Warriors were to guard and what that meant for Clay's game. And and <laughs> that team was insane. Curry and Durant's gravity was just, just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, the Pacers just couldn't do it. Um, they also, though, later in the episode, talked about Miles Turner and his growth as a player and person since joining the NBA. Paul played with him. Clay didn't even know he was still on the Pacers. He's been in the league for that long. That's a really – Paul George's podcast is really interesting to me, at least. He's a very good interviewer. I would highly recommend anybody checking that out. Okay, more serious – not even more serious. That's the wrong word, but um, perhaps more team-oriented news items. Jordan Wara talked to him for about three, four minutes last week, one-on-one -on -one at a fever game. Hear what he had to say about his playing weight, the Pacers' goals for this coming season, how Tyrese Halliburton's playing for Team USA, all sorts of stuff. We'll talk about that in the last segment. And Kings GM Monty McNair discusses the Chris Duarte trade. We'll talk about all of that to close out today's show. Thank you, as always. 
for making Locked On Pacers your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen, how about a self-plug? Locked On Women's Basketball. Missy Hydrick and I talked to all things Indiana Fever on the latest episode of Locked On Women's Basketball, as well as the WNBA's playoff push with the playoffs about two weeks away. Uh, it was really fun. Missy's great, and it was a fun conversation. If you want to know more about the Fever and what's going on with them right now, three-game winning streak, you can check out Locked On Women's Basketball. Let's talk about Jordan Wara, a little bit of a forgotten man this offseason for the Pacers, and rightfully so is is a, a, the wrong way to say that, but he's become a forgotten man because two players at his exact position have been acquired in Jairus Walker and Obi Toppin, so his rotation spot might be gone. Um, it seems like it will be, although he will be a super sub in that there are any number of injuries and he could be the first guy who actually gets minutes. He was good for the Pacers last year, and one way he can help himself get on the floor is being able to play more positions, right? He played a lot of four for the Pacers last year. If he could play the three, that would be good for his ability to actually play this season for the Pacers, both on the perimeter offensively and defensively, guarding more positions by adding some speed. So I caught up with him last week. He attended uh, one of the Fever games, and I chatted with him for a little bit at halftime, which was great. He is down to around 215 pounds intentionally. That is something he said that uh, he was asked to do as he pushed in to the next season. Last year, he played at about 225. So that's like a 10-pound drop for Jordan Wara. He said that uh, he thinks that'll help him get on the floor more next year, right? Remember, he shot it 48% from the field, 42% from deep last year. He had that 25-point quarter, right? His offensive output was awesome. But if he can actually get on the floor for this team, it's going to mean if he can play the three, right, that just means you know there are more injuries that he could be the first guy that actually subs in the game. He said, drop some weight, continuing to still get in great shape, get ready for the season, doing what the staff needs me to do. So uh, that I thought was very interesting that he has dropped his weight by that much. But I do think it will help if he's going to be playing. I don't know that it's for him to play the three, but it makes good sense to me that adding a tiny bit of speed by losing some weight and playing the three and the four would certainly allow him to play more often. Uh, in case of injury, or even if the Pacers actually do want to have him uh, in the rotation. Also, he shared that some guys have been in India working out together. He mentioned himself, uh, of course, Jalen Smith, uh, Aaron Neesmith, Isaiah Jackson, Jairus Walker, a couple others. Um, he feels a lot more settled in India, of course, after being traded here only six months ago. It's crazy how short time is, right? The trade was in February, uh, but he said, wherever they need me to play, I'll play, right? So he perhaps is being willing to play more than one positions. That can help given what the Pacers could or could not do this season. But, of course, Jairus Walker, Obi Toppin are going to be the guys that get the the first, at least to me, consideration at that four spot, which I, if you're Wara, that sucks. He played great for the Pacers and did everything they asked of him last year, but uh, I get why that might not go his way this coming season. Uh, as for the additions in general, though, between Toppin and Walker and Shepard and Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara said, I think it's been good. I think it'll be good for our team. And then he said, I think this will be competitive. I think it'll make everybody better. That echoes comments by Chad Buchanan, who recently talked about how competitive camp could be on the Setting the Pace podcast, right? Position battles potentially kind of all over the place. Backup point guard. Who's going to play there? On the wing, who's going to start? Who's going to play off the bench? Who's going to play at all at the four? Who's going to start and who's going to come off the bench? Backup five. I mean, Halburn's going to start and play a lot. Miles Turner's going to start and play a lot. Every other position, there's probably a battle for minutes or roles or, or units or how it's all going to connect and I think everybody hopes that that will make everybody better, uh, which it can. And guys going against each other can be very helpful. We'll see what that actually equates to at the end. But I think that's true. I think there'll be a lot of 
a lot of battles for a lot of guys who want to or think they deserve minutes as war heads into his fourth season. He also talked about the Pacers' goals this year, echoing comments made by Tyrese Halliburton, who said at the NBA Draft Lottery, playoffs, that's his goal, right? That's the Pacers' goal this season. If you'll remember back then, Halliburton talked about how he's been watching every single, or at least as many as he can, uh, every playoff game and texting with the front office and the coaching staff. And he said, because it's somewhere I want to be. And then Halliburton said, we know that's the goal. So just watching and seeing how the game differentiates from regular season. I need to be in there. I need to be in the playoffs. That's the goal. So, I mean, we heard that from players and coaches at X interviews, but that was the first, like the hardest anyone's ever said it or the most, you know, the most right at the point. Well, War said something similar. He said, I think for us, it's making the playoffs and just really taking that big step forward when I asked them what the team's goals would be this year. So make no mistake about it. Pacers want to make it. And I think that that is the right time to go for it. They have made the decisions to do so. Do they have enough talent? We'll see. But I think that a lot of players have felt similarly about that step forward. I think McConnell alluded to it at uh, his exit interview as well. So we'll see what that sounds like. Um, at media day, we'll see what that looks like when the actual games happen. But Jordan Wara, like others, seems to think that's the goal for the team. I think it should be the goal for the team to take that step forward and at least get to that point. So if you want to read more on that, that story is on Pacers SI catching up with Jordan Wara. We also discussed Halliburton with Team USA a little bit. I read that quote earlier. It's just fun to catch up with guys who I haven't talked to in a while for various reasons. Again, Wara kind of has been falling off of the discourse a little for the Pacers this offseason, but he did play very well for them and should at least be in some sort of consideration for minutes, even if he won't end up getting a spot. We will see where that ends up. Something else that happened. Monty McNair, the Kings GM, uh, went on NBC Sacramento to talk about the Kings offseason and the trade uh, excuse me, NBC Sports Bay Area, not NBC Sports Sacramento, uh, to talk about the trade where they got Chris Duarte. Remember, Duarte said at Summer League that it was a surprise. He said, I'm not going to lie, it was a surprise for me, but he was excited to be reunited with Domas. He thinks he'll fit well there. Obviously, I think a big part for him and the Kings, he'll actually play with Pacers. That may not have been the case for a number of reasons. In fact, he may not even have been with Wara in the fold, for example, and Ben Shepard. He may not even have been the first reserve wing. It made sense to move him for the Pacers, even if I think the value was a little low. That said, Monty McNair, the Kings GM, discussed the trade. He said they had, uh, first he said of DeMontis Sabonis and Chris Duarte, he said they had a great relationship and chemistry on the court in Indiana. We're hoping to see that here. I've always cited this stack because I think this is crazy, but the 25 and 57 Pacers, right? That, that team that Duarte and Sabonis were on together, even though it was only October through February, not a good team. They still had a plus 1.5 net rating with both of those guys on the floor and 850 minutes, which is a good amount of minutes for two guys to play together when they were only together for three months, basically, and that Duarte had some injuries in there. So that was, of course, impressive for those two. I think that 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 chemistry will translate. We'll see, though. The Kings play a little different. Duarte had a down year last year. We'll see what that actually means. Um of course, McNair adding of Chris Duarte saying he's somebody with size, somebody with shooting and the ability to defend. And he said, can make a play. I think he's going to fit in with how we play on both ends of the floor. I don't think he'll be a playmaker for the Kings because I have not seen him be a playmaker a ton in his career. But I think he does have size and shooting and can defend. And if he can be that three and D wing off the bench for the Kings, that'd be a huge addition for them, even though this trade made sense. For the Pacers. That's the first time we've heard uh, Monty McNair talk about the trade. Something else he added is they've been tracking Duarte for a while, right? Since the draft, basically, they have at least thought about him and, and the player, and they have thought about potentially, uh, or at least have tracked his career to the point that 
um, they were ready to dive in and grab him. So I, I always think that's so interesting to hear. And maybe this is just me being naive and teams will always say that because they track every player to some extent. But when they actually acquire the player, they took an action to do it, right? I'm more inclined to believe it just because they actually did something about it, <laughs> tracking the player. So Kings had longstanding interest in Duarte. Apparently, perhaps that um, was elevated when they acquired Sabonis. Perhaps that was elevated when they you know, needed wing depth in general. Who knows? But he'll be a good fit there. And uh, Monty McNair finally discussed that on the record. There's a few more news things to get to that we'll get to on the next Locked on Pacers, another podcast appearance by a Pacers player. Plus, ESPN's doing their summer forecast, projecting their awards winners and Eastern Conference standings. Pacers in both of those. We'll talk again about those on the next news update episode which will come either next week or later this week. But again, the rest of this week will be Kiefer Sykes on tomorrow's show. We talked for about 20 minutes earlier today. Really excited to get that one out for you guys. And then later this week, book club number two of the offseason reborn. Mark Monty spoke about the earliest days of the Pacers, the franchise formation, all sorts of stuff. I'm almost done with it. I just dropped it, actually, trying to hold it up for this show. There we go. Uh, looking forward to talking about that one and stuff I learned that I think is important for fans to know and how it shapes my perception of basketball. I think reading these books, including Blood in the Garden and a few more that are less Pacer-centric, it wouldn't make sense to talk about on a Pacers podcast, has been helpful for me to get a better grip on the history of the NBA. If you're interested in learning more, hit me up. I'll tell you about books that I have read uh, this summer that can help with that. Thank you guys for listening today. Hope you've enjoyed hearing more about the FIBA Pacers and the general news about the team because it's August and there's no point of covering the newsy parts every single day because there's not enough every single day. But doing them all in a week like this, I think is really informative. People have told me they really like it this formatting way. We'll continue to do it with two other episodes this week. Next week, Labor Day will be the only off day. Then we'll do four days and we'll go right back to five days a week in the month leading up to preseason camp, etc. So lots of coming here on the Locked on Pacers podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. We will see you tomorrow.